0: Hey, everybody, Jess Intuitive Angel Healer here with Your Grounded. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today, and welcome to another episode of Dancing in the Toxic Shadows Finding Empowerment and Hope Through the Toxicity. This is a podcast that features an empowered soul swim through the toxic waters of life and how they have found the courage, strength and blind faith used to obtain the life that they truly want to live and how they encourage others how to take that same leap of faith, no matter if they can only see the first two steps or not. Today we have uh, we are in our season two, and I'm shaking it up a little bit today. I am introducing my new co-host of the Toxic Shadows, and she's actually not just our guest, but our new co-host, and she's over here, Miss <laughs> Nina. Hi, Nina. Hey, hey, hey! How's it going, girl? How are you today?
1: I am doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: Well, Miss Nina is, um, she's a holistic energy healer, an autism mom, essential oil, and a generational curse breaker. And you're from Maryland. So if you want to just give us a little bit of your background and, um, what you're all about, and then we'll get into our awesome episode that we have today of toxic parenting and uh, the different um, generational changes. So go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, Nina.
1: Yes, ma'am. So as she said, my name is Nina. Nina. Um, I just turned 40. I have two boys on the spectrum, um, Austin and Orion. One is eight. The other one is almost 12. Um, at this point in time, I'm pretty much focused on staying uh, with them, being more available to them and kickstarting my side business um, with the essential oils. Um I worked in mental health for about five years, got my bachelor's in psychology and um, parenting with uh, autistic kids. So um, I have a lot of background in um, certain tools and methods when it comes to parenting to kids with autism. Um, I'm really big on therapy. Uh, We have therapists and counselors that we deal with a couple of times a week. They go to their schools, they come to our home. So I'm I'm a bit big advocate for mental health awareness and there's, there's just a lot of things going on in the world right now. And I think right now for myself, we're just learning how to stay grounded in ourselves and being, being better individuals so that we can come together as a team. I think that's the most important thing that I've learned as a parent who has special needs kids.
0: Exactly. And you know, that's all that anybody can ask for is for people to start being grounded, which actually goes into our topic today of, of toxic parenting. Um, toxic parenting, I've noticed, is starting to get a little bit better because we're starting to get awareness. And I always tell people you can't have healing. And you can't change unless you have awareness first. That's the first thing that has to come in because you've got to even know that there's an issue there. And what I have noticed is that most people, if you grew up from the 90s back, I feel like the 2000s kind of broke with the, um, the new wave of enlightenment and self-care and that's really been more. Going forward, but I feel like from the '90s back, our we were, um, children were supposed to be seen, not heard. And mm. I remember, I my dad, I was born in Texas. He had a very Texas family, including all the women were almost as manly as the men were. You know, my my grandpa was a a Texas oil. Um, he worked for Gulf Oil and my grandma was a homemaker and they don't, uh, that used to be a title. What was, what do you do for a living? I'm a homemaker and they don't have that really too much as, as they did in like the fifties and that, but going down my journey of, of, you know, trauma and life, I, and the spiritual awakening, I kind of went back and um, I had to figure out, well, what's causing my issues because it's it always goes back to you know our childhood and we don't we don't learn how to process those right so we end up um we end up following the patterns that we were taught (laughs) and unfortunately in my family they were taught to yell a lot and I just had uh, my actual grandpa to my dad come through and I found out that I found out, I just found out Yeah, you know, I got an apology and I found out a glimpse of his, my dad's reality as a kid and belts were a big thing and mm-hmm. I remember my dad used to just pull his like you could hear the wind coming off of his belt because he had the leather belt, he was oh. always yeah, apt to yeah, and um yeah amongst He's us familiar. Yeah. He he didn't even have to hit me with the belt really to be honest, because um just him and he was a um, 125 and, and six foot. So he wasn't even that big of a guy, but he would tower over me and he loved to I don't know, it was just like the chaos of of that control and I'm learning um intimidation abuse is abuse too and people don't abusers love to use the word of I, I'm not even touching you I'm not even hitting you how am I abusing you well sir mental abuse is a thing as well and I remember when I was 12 I got I, I don't know what I did I don't think I did anything really to justify getting with a belt but I remember my instincts told me to put my hands over my butt And my dad went to go hit me with the belt. And he didn't hit me very often, like very, very seldom. But he hit me this, this was the last time he did it because I put my arms back there and he accidentally hit my arms. Now I got these welts over my arms. And, you know, as a parent, he's freaking out going, oh, you know, why did, you know, hopefully he was like, why did I do that? But I remember that's the last time I got safe with the belt. But then it takes me to why. Why do people think they need to physically hit or or you know do stuff or yell or whatever just to? I guess maybe they need the silence, but then it teaches down the road. And I think I tried to spank my daughter a couple of times on her butt, not very hard, but just it, I had more trauma giving my child a spanking than the whole spanking. So, what are your what are your thoughts on um, on that whole
1: process? Well, well, there's a there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, for me personally, I've physical spanking abuse whatever you want to call it, you know, belts, wooden spoons, um, anything in arms reach, really.
0: Uh, Go get your I've your had my hair
1: tree limbs sometimes, you know, switches. I've had my hair pulled. I've had my tooth knocked out. Um, I've had busted lips, you know, and I think a lot of it, I remember when I was a kid, I would, I would say, you know, I'm so scared of my mom or I'm scared of, um, you know, it, maybe it was a a boyfriend or a husband, whatever. Um, she's had a few, so, uh, you know, and they weren't talkers. They didn't know how to uh, talk about their feelings and express their emotions. So, For me, I feel like a lot of it had to do with like the fear base, you know, they can gain control by putting fear into the kids and, you know, thinking that that would control them. But eventually uh, I noticed that I became more rebellious. I think after a certain amount of time, I I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want to go through this anymore. I don't deserve this kind of attention. I didn't do anything to warrant getting this hurt. And I remember when I was about 14, I was like, no more. Like, you will not put your hands on me. You will not speak to me that way. And it became a problem to the point where um, it, it became physical altercations. Um, and I had no qualms doing that because at that point, I had already been through so much. And I'm like, you know, I think it's about time that I stand up for myself. And I started doing that because, you know, just... I, I don't understand, honestly, why that method of parenting was even brought about or how, I mean, I understand how it could have been, but I don't understand why it was continued, you know, because once I came, became a parent and then um, my kids were old enough to get into trouble, I remember the day my son said something to me and then responded with a behavior. And I became so angry at him and I went to raise my hand and he cowered and then he started crying and he didn't know how to say what he needed to say. And he just started scratching his face. And in that moment, I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing? What have I done? And I was like, okay, uh, I wouldn't stop." Drop and roll real quick because I need to figure out what it is um I gotta do here. Because you know, he I could see the fear in his eyes. And there was a feeling inside of me, I don't even know if I have a word for it, but I just felt so much like I was triggered. It was almost like I was looking at myself as that 10-year-old kid, thinking, Oh my god, I'm in so much trouble or I'm about to get hurt. And I was like, you know, in that moment, as soon as I said that out loud. Um, I think it created a shift. And that's when I realized like we needed therapy. We needed therapy. We needed counseling. And, like I needed to be a better parent and and learn how to deal with these kids in a better way.
0: And You know, that's crazy because I had the same aha moment with well, a similar uh, experience with my daughter. Um, my dad always pointed his finger, point, point, point.
1: Mm.
0: And I got that bad habit of, pointing fingers until my daughter literally, I pointed my finger at her one day. She picked my finger up and moved it. My daughter has done certain things and I love her because she's brave to go, "Uh, no, mom. And I'm like, what do you mean? No, I'm the parent. She's like, "Uh, no. Or she gave me that look of fear. And I was like, I don't want fear. I just want you to listen to me. And I understood at that moment that my da- my dad had instilled so much anger into me because his dad instilled so much anger into him. That's where I am a generational curse breaker because I saw my daughter and I was like, yeah, that's you when you're a kid. Just get yelled at, minding your own business, and all of a sudden an adult comes by and is mad that you're smiling and loving life <laughs> um but I also understand that when I was going through all this too I was still uh, I was married for six years of her life uh, to a narcissist who instilled anger and fear into me every day and when we were alone I started getting these aha moments of hey I notice when it's just me and you, we're good. We don't fight. You spill the milk. I don't get mad. I just go clean it up. But when I have the narcissist around me, the, the crazy person who is gaslighting me, ding, that's why I, and, and when I had that aha moment, um, finally, because uh, it took about two years, he just was relentless with me. Uh, telling everybody I wasn't taking care of my kids and I was sending her to school in dirty clothes and I was like no I'm not like I I had all you know and it just my pride so I just was in this really bad mental space but then I saw how it was affecting my daughter I was like you need to get a handle on this and that's when I started taking steps to go you know what it's okay I'm not going to yell at you We're going to talk about this. And that was like the biggest breakthrough ever. And this happened when she was like seven. So I think that's pretty darn good because um, when I was 14, the last memory I have of my dad living in his house is I was sitting there one day and uh, he was an alcoholic as well. And him, my mom's and dad's marriage was falling apart at that moment. And uh, my brother had already taken off at 17 and was not living there. I was the one, I looked just like my mom too, so my dad had a chip on his shoulder, uh, (laughs) really huge uh, for my mom, and so I don't know what happened in that moment, but he came and uh, started freaking out on me, and I was like, what are you doing, and he ended up um, grabbing me by my neck and holding me up against the wall, and uh, I saw stars, like He didn't even do anything except just hold me there. But I saw stars. And in that moment, I ran out of my house and went to live my life because um, I just wasn't going to do it anymore. I was like, you know what? I don't care what I have to do, but I'm not going to live here no more. And that's what is really, you know, I always wonder what would have happened if that would have never happened. And I would have actually got to live in my house till I was 18. But then, you know, that's kind of like that was my karmic, I can't change that and I I try not to look at it like I need to change it because it's made me who I was and that's apparently what my story was to be written. Sounds crazy and I know I'm not going to let my daughter run away at 14 with some dumb person but uh, (laughs) the 90s were a very, very different time and um, it gets me to my point of uh, how the aggressive generations before they yelled at us, they didn't know how to comfort us. And in the fifties, if you start looking at the stuff in the fifties, thirties, forties, people in the depression era really had a uh, not a good time because their parents were literally, you know, stitching their clothes up, eating stuff out of cans if they were lucky, because there was no food. And that's where the scarcity mindset came. And it kept handing down to generations. And that's why our parents say, we don't have enough money for that. Or you're you're keeping your head up in the clouds and you you need to stop being a a daydreamer. (laughs) So um, what are are your thoughts about, um, about, you know, how they used to yell at us (laughs) to give us comfort? And if you watch any 80s, 80s movies or 90s movies you can get a good indication of what it was like if uh for those of y'all who who weren't living back then you can get a pretty good indication of how life was uh what are you what are your thoughts on that and and the the long-term effect that it has on kids
1: oh wow well honestly i i mean it was it was the norm for me um, yelling, the yelling was a norm for me. And I remember uh, when I went back to counseling, because I've been in and out of therapy since I was 14. So when I started going back to therapy in 2016, 2016 my therapist, um, you know, I just met her. She was like, you know, tell me a little bit about your family and like, uh and so when I had done that her words to me were wow your family's jacked up and I was like wow I'm pretty sure you shouldn't say that to me and that developed like that was the beginning of our relationship but I had expressed to her that um you know yelling was a major part of my growing up and it became so normal to me that when I would tell stories about things that were said or how they were said people would look at me like Nina, like, your mom said that to you? Nina, like, your, your mom did that to you? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, I thought it was everybody going through that. You know what I mean? And it wasn't until I was probably in my mid 30s, when my therapist was like, no, honey, that's abuse. Like, that is neglect. That is manipulation. And I was, I didn't know how to, I was culture shocked. Honestly, I didn't know how to respond to that because in my mind, I thought it was normal, but then bringing it to my own household and how I deal with my kids, there's still remnants there. And I find myself sometimes because, you know, my kids, (laughs) they do things without thinking. And I know a lot of kids do this, but I feel like it's multiplied. Um, when you have boys who are on the spectrum and, you know, they just live dangerously, they do dangerous things without thinking. And sometimes I have to yell at them to get their attention. Um, But on the regular, what I have learned to do is, is say, Hey, do you need a hug? Like if they acting up, acting out, my first response is, do you need a hug? And it's like automatically it shifts their entire being. And they're like, you know what, mom? Yeah. I kind of need a hug. And that helps me, you know, get get to the point where like, okay, now now we all need to mellow out. <laughs> we all need to come, you know, to where we are, meet each other where we are and uh, figure out where to go next. And I noticed that if they're escalated, as soon as I say hug, they're like, yes, and they're, they're easily redirectable. So long-term effects, I mean, I think it really does damage, but also it shaped me. You know it's I don't really feel like there's a lot anyone could say to me that hasn't already been been said. So in that respect, I feel like it gave me tough skin. I feel like it made me a strong individual um, mentally, but it took me a lot to get there. you know being a kid and hearing like mean things shouted at you, you know it does it takes a toll on your you know your self-worth, your self-esteem. You think like dang, like can I do anything right? Am I ever gonna be good enough for this person like you know like and I and I think um that's where we struggle as adults with coming to terms with who we are as individuals, you know our parents want us to do this and do that and act this way and you know do do that and it's like we have to fit into this box, but you got to allow your kid to grow their individuality and become who they're supposed to be. But, with you know, without stunting them, they have to be able to express themselves. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot like dealing, dealing with people who have been yelled at, you can see where they struggle with their self-esteem. You can see where they don't know how to respond because in some cases it becomes a trauma. It becomes a trauma response to just close yourself in a shell and not respond. So, it it really just depends on the person's will to to either stand up for themselves or fall back. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm a fighter. You're a fighter. You know, we've been through a lot, and even though it's taken us a while to get where we are, it's like now we can look back and understand. And when we see other people going through the same thing or reacting in ways that we're already familiar with. It's like, we can already assess the situation and redirect that.
0: Exactly. And you know, um, my daughter is, I don't know. I could just, she's a crystal child, but when she was in school, the teacher, one of her first grade teacher, never forget this uh, first time I get to go to, uh, you know, the parent uh, parent teacher conference and my daughters are sitting with me and this teacher this will be another episode of uh, toxic teachers but I remember him telling me they always tried to do this to me they're like your daughter's social not socially active she's um they tried to tell me that she didn't know how to make friends I was like first of all that's a that's a lie, because every time we go to Walmart, anybody who's her height, uh, she's inviting over to my house to have a sleepover. And, and their <laughs> parents are just looking at me like, oh, you're going to take the kids. I'm like, I guess I am. Hi, nice to meet you. Um, but this teacher is sitting there telling me that she doesn't interact with all the other kids. So therefore, she's sociably immature or whatever he I don't know I can't even process what he said because I remember I got so mad at him and he picked on my daughter for that whole school year and he's a gym teacher mind you uh. okay this is a first grade uh first grader teacher slash gym teacher and I literally almost asked him so where are your friends how many friends do you have what do you do when you're not teaching students Um, How to get up in their head and ruining their confidence, you know? Um, And then I went to another teacher, like, we had a stream of teachers, and I've learned um, because your kids are autistic, and I'm sure you've had this problem once or twice with um, people who want to, who don't know how to express themselves correctly, or they don't understand your child. So, therefore, um, the second teacher that did that, her second grade teacher was a woman. And she just kept picking on her, too. And my daughter, I got a call, and she picked up a desk and threw it at her and um, threw all the papers off. And my kid's never done this. And I was like, what did you do to her? What did you do? Because you know what? I know my daughter, and I know she's a Scorpio. I know she can be a hot mess some days. But I also know that she's never picked up a desk and thrown it at me. And I was so proud of myself because at that moment, see my mom, when she showed up to my school, when I got in trouble with the sixth grade math teacher who put me in detention the whole sixth grade year for tapping my pencil on the desk, literally almost got me expelled from school for tapping my pencil on the desk. He said I had it out for him and I was doing it all purpose. And my mom, every time she showed up to my school, I'm like, yay, my mom's going to have my back. And she'd have my back for half a second. And I swear to you, at the end of it, somehow it was all my fault. I had to apologize. And she sided with every narcissist. Like, I don't know what karmic lesson of narcissists. Mine extended past just marrying one. My dad was a grandiose narcissist. My mom's a covert narcissist. Her uh, parents were covert narcissists. I didn't even know what a covert narcissist was, but um, yeah. And then it just went on to my teachers. And, and then I find out that when you're in these kind of, speaking of what happens to that kid when they get yelled at or gaslighted by the narcissist because they just don't want to be um, bothered at the moment, well, then you come up with me. <laughs> And then you have everybody invading your life telling, and then I'm a Pisces too. So when you're unbalanced and you're Pisces, you're already a people pleaser. And then you have all these people telling you uh, how it is and what it's going to do. And I find out we bring that environment our whole, this my mind the other day because I found out you recreate that same environment if you're not healed because it's normal to you. So I thought yelling was normal. I thought discipline was normal. Because like I said, I grew up in Texas till I was nine. And I um, was an, uh, being around. My, my dad passed when I was 16. But my mom still carried that mentality to put it in there. And when I started distancing myself and started noticing, hey, this ain't right these things are not right. And uh, it it took the counselor, uh, my, my daughter's counselor showing me one day, she's like, here, I want to give you this piece of paper. Instead of doing this, do this. Instead of saying this, say this. And I actually read it. And I was like, you know what? That makes so much sense. Why didn't somebody give my parents this paper? You know, um, There's a I I I forgive my parents though because I know that it's not their fault. You can only parent to the the mentality that you were taught, unfortunately. And what's so weird is that you can create kids. You don't have to have a license or anything, but you have to have a license to drive a car, you have to have a license to be a therapist, a doctor. But you don't have to have a license or any kind of training to be a parent. And you can accidentally create a life, which is mind-blowing in itself. How can you accidentally create a life? But there's so many other things that we uphold standards to in this life that you have to do. <laughs> but, but when it comes to parenting, it's like whoever can produce a kid has a kid and then nobody tells them how to do it and if my fun thing is I lost a kid when I was 16 I had a stillborn at five months um so I actually had to give birth to her and bury her which was the craziest thing to do at 16 years old I don't wish that on anyone so I, I thought by the first grandkid of my family being buried that that would uh make the whole family be like oh my god at 29 you had a miracle baby I wasn't supposed to have kids I had this miracle baby and I know not one person showed up to the birth of my daughter um, because I didn't want to deal with my mom's narcissist guy at the time and I was just like I'm not I'm not doing it um, and my daughter had colic for six months and I had postpartum for six months. And I'm pretty proud of myself that I even got out of that whole situation alive because even more fun to add to my narcissism. <laughs> I went to go get help at that point and I didn't have insurance. So I was in Kansas City, in, uh, uh, Kansas, City Kansas, and I was like, I need to get help. And they had, a, you know, state brand therapy or whatever you show up. And I remember being manic and going there, and he's like, "What are you here for?" Well, don't ask a manic Pisces that who's got postpartum, who's going out of her mind, because I might just tell <laughs> you my whole life story. And, well, you know what this this counselor told me? I don't want to hear it. I didn't. Don't need to hear all that. I need to know what you're here for. And that made me so angry, the response of, screw you, I need a shortened version and I don't really care. And that's why I've actually um, have created my own self-healing and I've learned psychology and I've I've taught myself how to do it because I've attempted to go to many, many therapists, which is another part of my karmic, karmic lessons that it doesn't work out for me, but it, I don't know why I end up. I, I, and it's not, I'm not saying that I didn't have mentors. I've had plenty, I've had a lot of mentors and that's how I've made it this far. So please, if you're going through it, don't think that you you have to go through it by yourself because I, I, I really didn't want to go through it by myself, but every time I cried out for help, everyone said, there's nothing wrong with you. They literally told me there's nothing wrong with you. And, um, just to deal with it. So I'm very proud that you you do go to therapy. And um, I always wished I could. The counselor that I found, I ended up uh, blowing out a, a blood vessel in my eye because she made me so mad because everything I told her, this was when I was 12, I, I was telling her this horrible thing of what's going on in my family's life, you know, and me. And all she did was go, and hey, how does that mean? And I still remember her corduroy pants and her little glasses staring at me going in. have that make you feel. And um, so I can understand if you guys are going through a challenging time of not finding a, um, make sure you find someone who is there for you, who really cares and don't give up. Don't give up and, and make sure you find someone to talk to about it. Even if it's not a licensed therapist, if it's a coach, if it's a trusted figure, go talk to them because you do not want to sit in trauma. Because I found out all this depression doesn't go anywhere; it stays in us and it comes back out like a like a bad Saturday night. <laughs> um, <if laughs> Did you, you depression? You said no suppression. Oh, suppression. Okay, depression is part of suppression, <laughs> but You're yeah, when when we suppress our feelings. We think that's what we're taught is we're an inconvenience for everyone. No one wants to hear it because my mental health is it's never a good time for my mental health, but it's always a good time for your gaslighting and narcissism. I'm just saying. Mm. So I I always encourage people, and I tell people my story because I don't want anyone to suffer through those dark moments because nobody acknowledged that there was something wrong cuz they don't want to have to deal with it. Plain and simple. So if you find someone who is saying there's nothing wrong with you, you're making a big deal out of this, go find someone else. What are what are your thoughts on that?
1: On which part? Finding a therapist?
0: Any part of it?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you said a mouthful right there and I was like there's so many good points. Um, I mean, finding a therapist is difficult. Finding a good one is even harder. Um, I always recommend that people do second opinions. If you don't click with someone, go to someone else, you don't click with them, go to the next one. It's all about the connection, you know, cause sometimes you just find people and you click with them and you're like, they're my kind of weird. Like I could say some off the wall sh- stuff and then, you know, like they're not offended or they're like, okay, let's discuss this further. And it, you know, for some reason, luckily I've been able to connect with a lot of the therapists that I've had. Mind you, I've been in therapy since I was 14. So, uh, my first therapist was not cool. Like she was from a small town, like very close-minded. And, um, when I had mentioned that I had been molested, it's like, she didn't even know what to do with that. She didn't know how to respond. And that, I mean, this was like mid nineties, like 96 97 and i feel like at that point people just weren't ready to have that discussion you know um, it's not as open as it is today so
0: adhd wasn't even a thing back then because i don't even think they brought that in until officially to like the 90s that they uh they started ignore a CP you know what CPTSD was not even brought in that's um that's PTSD but it's complex PTSD right. which is what you've had if you've been under um if you've been in war <laughs> for the first 15 years of your life but did you know it did not get really put in there as an actual thing until about the mid-90s because that's when the the there was a big mental health breakthrough in the nineties, but then also there was a big defunding back in the nineties as well. And cause you used to always, you couldn't go away unless you've heard, if you don't get help with charter, please get help somewhere. That was a commercial that was on <laughs> everywhere. And now <laughs> there's no, the mental health funding is gone down. And that's why I encourage people to, you don't just have to go to a therapist and I love it now that um, therapy is broke open so wide and I'm a, I'm an intuitive coach. I'm a a toxic relationship coach, but you can go, there's so many different kinds of mentors and people. And that's why I try to tell people, especially if you don't have insurance. When I looked into going, trying to find a psychologist, it was like a hundred dollars an hour. And I was like, holy potatoes. Well, I, I guess I'm going to um, get help, uh, you know, ever so often. But I encourage people, there's so much of a revolution happening with self-care. If you need someone to talk to I swear you can find someone and they don't have to be licensed in the eyes of the law, but you do need to use your own judgment. And I say, uh, because I've, I've seen some coaches out here, I'm like, don't say that. Don't say that to Oh my, why are you saying that right now? Because bad advice, there's bad advice on both sides. So I don't really feel it's just like you said, your licensed therapist couldn't handle your trauma. And so that just goes to show you it's not the certification exactly that's going to help you. It's talk to that person. Do you trust them? That's the first thing. If you don't have trust, Go find as many people as you want. Until you trust that person, you're not gonna really enter any of this trauma. They have to pass the
1: vibe check.
0: You know exactly. what I mean? Just
1: like anybody else. So I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do it, do it right, you know, because you you literally are the the only one who could say, Yes, I want to speak to this person. No, I don't connect with this person. Let me move on to the next. Like we have choices, we should utilize them.
0: Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. I'm, we're part of the Gen X. And then um, I saw a video with Gen Z, and they were talking about this, how do you, uh, you not connect with your parents? Well, that's because back in the day, people were taught that I have a kid, and I get to control this little kid. So they gaslighted it and, and, and put that, that control over them. You will do whatever adults say. And that's how kids were taught back in the day. But then we grow up to be so trusting of everyone. And that's where a lot of our, we trusted too many adults. And we found out you can't trust every adult. And that's why some of our kids, we get that disconnection. And I'm kind of proud of the Gen Zs and the Gen Y. That they did stand up to us. And they said, we're putting a stop to this toxic parenting. We're done with you guys. I don't care how much you yell at me. And my daughter's part of that too. And she's the part that helped get that aha moment in me. Of, Why am I even doing this? You know, when we leave this earth, I would love my child to think more higher of me than I just yelled at it all day. Because in the end, what are we really yelling for? Um, is there anything that they did so bad that can't be replaced? I mean, truly, that's what you've got to think in your heart of hearts. And that's when you start disconnecting and you're able to get over that pride of, I'm the parent. I've got to be right. No, you're not. Um, I tell my daughter all the time, let's talk about this. And I'm so proud that I can actually sit there and tell her, I want to hear what you have to say. And I won't discount it. I, I just listen to her. And actually, uh, um, let her let her hear it out, even if I don't want to sometimes. But I'm like, you know, what? I'm proud of you for doing that because now I'm teaching her. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm just I know that I caught it at a very young age, and so I have to give myself a pat on the back. <laughs> we beat ourselves up so much, and nobody tells you how to be a parent. And like I said, I was learning how to be a parent from my uh, narcissist. And that's a, that's a great uh, parenting skill. <laughs> you you want to do that. That's a, that's a fun time. So I highly don't encourage that.
1: <laughs> Not at but, um, all.
0: We're going to wrap this up because we could probably talk about all this stuff. And we're going to have a lot more fun, a uh, lot more interesting episodes to come, but I like to keep these a little shorter. So you guys will listen to them out there. And, uh, and I, and we may even talk about this on the next one, but, um, what are your thoughts of how, uh, learning how to meet our children, um, and repairing our own inner child in the process? I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that.
1: Yes. I was actually making a note here as you were talking, uh, I was watching this, sermon, uh, last week. And it was talking about how, when we become parents, we think that because we're the parent, we know what's best for our kids, but we actually learn how to be a parent through our kids. And I think once we have that realization that, okay, maybe I don't know everything (laughs) and maybe my parents didn't know everything. Um, I think once we make that realization and we, you know, especially having uh, kids who have special needs, um, you know, I I got used to hearing, um, oh, just spank them, you know, just just give them a good. They just need a good whooping, and I was like, wow, like every adult said that to me, and then a family member had went to the extent to make a very snide remark, and I found it very offensive, and I was like, you know. I can't beat the autism out of my kid any more than I can beat the ignorance out of you. So let's just see, you know, how, how far we can go with this. And I, when I, once I started responding to things in that manner, people started realizing, okay, maybe this is a situation that I need to pay attention to because my kids are loud. Um, and, you know, it's hard to contain them sometimes because, you know, most autistic kids have, uh, stimulation issues. And my youngest one, you know, he stems. So his hands are going, his feet are going, he makes all these weird sounds and he's loud, he's distracting. And, you know, it becomes a problem. Um, you know, when he's in school or when we're at functions like church or, <laughs> you know, a place where we're supposed to be quiet and, you know, people look at us like, we're not, I've, I've even been not invited to family functions because of my kids. Or my, I've been invited, or my kids aren't allowed to come.
0: Did you say thank you? (laughs) Thank you for not inviting me, because I don't want to be with you.
1: I mean, but I get it. Part of me understands it, and the other part of me is like, well, you then. You know what I mean? But it's like I can get both ends of the spectrum, because I can play devil's advocate, and I've, you know understand people's perspective. And you know, if if it's a place where I feel like my kids would benefit then I would probably fight for it. But if it's a place where it's questionable then I'm, you know, I'm not going to battle that. I'm decided to pick my own battles and choose, you know, where I want to exert my energy. But um I think that it's important as a parent to be able to look at our kids and say something about you needs to come out and whether it's verbally, emotionally, physically, kids need to know how to connect to their parents. And if we don't create that safe space for them to be able to express themselves, then we're basically carrying on the same cycle. So for me personally, I would say, um, being able to sit down and one-on-one with, with my kids and Sometimes they'll do it together. Sometimes they'll do it apart. But I've noticed that when I sit them down individually and I'm like, tell me something good. Tell me what's bothering you. How was your week? Let's catch up. You know, they're more open to doing that. I've never had that. None of my, my parents never did that for me. And I feel like I struggled with being able to express myself emotionally. Right. Which technically is a trickle down because They couldn't express themselves emotionally. That's why they resorted to yelling. They wanted to feel heard. They just didn't know how to go about it, right? And because we've gone through extensive um, factors from our own parents, uh, I feel like it's made us more highly sensitive to the emotions of others. Like, I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm a raw nerve. If my kids don't, if they're not doing well, I'm going to know right? If they're having issues with something and I ask them, oh, what's the problem? They're like, oh, nothing. I'm going to know. They're not being truthful, right? So being aware, being alert, and being able to sit down and have a conversation with them, no matter what age they are, you know what I mean? I feel like, you know, when they're school age, there's always a way to sit down and meet them at their level. Some kids, um, my, my oldest son, he draws, and I'm not a drawler, I'm a doodler. But if that's how I can connect with him, then we'll make comics together. But they tell a story. So if if he's not able to verbally express himself, um something I do is like, like, I'll draw stick figures. Like he's so much more advanced than I am, but I can do like little stick figures and I'll draw a person and it's me. And then, you know, he'll draw himself. And then, you know, we make like little stories, but it's usually pertaining to what he's experiencing, but doesn't know how to express. And by the end of our session, he feels a lot better in the fact that not only is he being heard, but now I understand because I sat down and took the time to, to connect with him. So for me personally, I feel like being able to connect with your kids with something that they like, something that intrigues them. One kid likes drawing, the other kid likes music. So I have to use those tools in order to meet them um, where they're at so that we have you know a stronger bond and know that we're there to hear each other out.
0: Exactly. And just to add to that before we wrap up, I would also like to say that Moms need to do more self-care. Stop running around your kids to 10 million different activities to, or pushing your kids to try to be scholar of the year because my, my best friend, um, when we were kids, she passed because, and she actually passed because she was adopted and her uh, uh, she got pushed To the point of perfection with her adopted family, craziest thing because when I was, I met her in middle school. She was in high school for our summer. She was taking college uh, credit classes, and I was like, man, are you ever gonna stop? You know, trying to having to do something. Her we were always up. We were always doing something. And I was like, man, like the military lifestyle was there. The you know. Conformity, but it pushed her to the brink. And I and I actually seen what happens when you push a kid. Uh, and I feel like sometimes parents push them because they're trying to relive their kids, whatever dream that failed or whatever. But I, she ended up getting pushed to where she ended up doing heroin and going back to her um a regu- her real family. <laughs> And um went down the whole path and cycle, and unfortunately, she had five kids before she left them back with her adopted family, and then ended up dying. And it's crazy how it, it works, but people don't understand, you know, there's nothing that important to push your kid to the brink of exhaustion. And if you're to the brink of exhaustion, give yourself a break. Your kids are not gonna be mad at you. If, and, and if, if they are, if they really need to be there, you know, find somebody to take them. If you can't, if you feel tired, don't do things out of obligation. It's the biggest thing I tell people because you will resent it later or you will just have a bad outcome. If you do stuff that you actually enjoy and you put your energy into stuff that's good, not just stuff to fill up time or to fill up your um, appearance to doing this because that's the biggest thing people are what are the neighbors gonna think (laughs) that's an old school one um but people still are like you know they're so worried they're so worried about what everybody's gonna think of them don't worry about what everybody's gonna think of them it's your family you teach it the way that you want it taught and um if you're doing that and people are giving you slack about it Keep doing it because in the end it's your family you created it, and if you're doing things differently, that's because spirit really wants you to do things differently, and that's why I'm learning. My parenting is a lot less cold than my mom's parenting was, and um, I didn't really understand it because she was there for me, and um, I remember her. You know, I wasn't neglected or anything, but emotionally I was, and. Unfortunately, when you, when there's that emotional thing is way bigger than, um, than other things at some point. And, um, also validate your kids. If they're going through something, don't tell them that there's nothing wrong with them because, because <laughs> if they're coming to you telling their something, I don't know what this is. or huh? I didn't know what it was. I was just like, I'm not supposed to be having these thoughts. And um to be told at a very like 12, that's when I noticed it all went downhill for me. That's when I started closing off and um and started feeding myself up for all this. Uh and, and that self-hate comes in. And I just want to let people know I was listening to Lois Hay the other day, and if you're if you've got the self-hate, if you've got the bad inner talk, immediately start working on that because. I found out the people that hold resentment or have a really part of um, um, a really damaged heart chopper and have, and have learned to yell at themselves and abuse themselves because of whatever somebody taught them, that turns into disease. And we hold all that energy. And if you don't let that energy out and you don't feel it, that's where cancer comes from. That's where heart disease comes from, pneumonia. My my grandma died, and I found this is the craziest thing. Um, my dad died of a heart attack. My grandma died of pneumonia. Both are related to a closed heart chakra because they had so much hurt in them, and they didn't know how to express themselves. And just learning that at I'm 41 and... That lets me know, hey, I better let go of all this because you can always heal yourself. You can heal yourself of anything. The body is meant as a a magical thing and it can heal you from stuff. But if you push it in there, it's going to be like a garbage disposal and just eventually throw up everything everywhere. And then that's really hard when you get to that point because I got to that point. I think I've had a couple of mental breakdowns in my life. You're probably only supposed to have one. I think I've had about 500 uh, because I never had anyone validate me that this was actually going on in my head. And then it made me scared because a lot of people use that against you. And so use your best judgment, but don't close off to everyone because just like you said at the beginning of this, not, it's not common, um, Everybody doesn't go through this, and not everybody experiences toxic uh, parenting to the point that we do, but there are levels of toxic parenting. It doesn't just mean that you verbally abuse and beat your kid. That's not just toxic parenting. There's so many different levels of toxic parenting um, you know that that stem from everything. So let's be a little kinder to our kids, and let's let them teach us because kids are the are the best teachers ever. Um, and I know my kids taught me to be a better human being on this planet. And when I started going through my spiritual awakening, I started learning how to be a better parent, and I started learning that uh, spirit has so much out here for us. So if you're going through it right now, know that bad times don't last forever. And your rainbows come after your storms. But sometimes you have to learn to dance through the storms to get your rainbow. So. Reach. 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 <laughs> Anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up?
1: this has been a super fun. Um, and I feel like there's, there's so much more to unpack when it comes to toxic parenting. I hope that we're able to touch base and continue, um, this discussion because honestly, uh, there's a lot that goes along with it.
0: A lot. And, uh, we've chatted a bunch, but we're definitely going to come back next week and, uh, Miss Nina is going to be my new co-host and we're going to get some links for you guys down at the bottom and you can go check out her, uh, essential oils line that she has. And she's going to be creating a special box kit for our toxic shadows. We'll probably roll that out next week, but, um, know that that's coming. And we're also um, maybe looking to do a little support group for you guys out there. So you can have, um, so I feel it's very important. Some people might not vibe with me as much as they vibe with you, but it's good to have support on both sides of the coin. And um, I'm really blessed to have you here, Nina. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I can't wait till we have our next chat.
1: Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. This has been uh, a blessing. So, thanks for having me too. on.
0: You're ah. so welcome, and beautiful soul. Another powerful episode that has taught us how to survive the um, the talk, to- the swim in the toxic waters, and break up with our toxic dance partners here. If you need help trying to find a new dance partner please reach out to myself or to Nina and let us show you how a single four-letter can change your mindset permanently. And that four-letter word is love. With love, all things are possible. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Dancing in the Toxic Shadows. Until we meet again, this is Justin Trudeau, Angel Healer, sending healing angel vibes Love and mind, everybody. Have a good day. Bye-bye.